The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Pet Panorama with your host, Dr. Julie Mayer. Your pet is often referred to as your best friend, yet when it comes to their health care, sometimes we don't understand all of the options that are available to keep them healthy and living a good quality life as long as possible. In our program, we will explain and explore the best care possible, and we invite your participation as well. Now, here is Dr. Julie Mayer. Well, welcome, 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 all you pet lovers. We're here at Pet Panorama. I'm your host, Dr. Julie Mayer. I'm a holistic veterinarian, certified in veterinary acupuncture, chiropractic, and canine rehabilitation. So we're going to take the show to a little bit uh, different direction today. We do have some guests. Um, both I will have a live person here with me. Yay, I'll have some company. And um, we'll have two callers calling in today. Our topic today is going to be um, um, service dogs, working dogs, therapy dogs, um, and next week we'll also continue on uh, our conversations as well. Um, there's a lot of interesting um, facts and um, associations and um, organizations that will train pets to service us um, and people with disabilities, etc. So uh, I want to go through just some definitions um, and just some explanation of, um, you know, what, what these pets can do for us. So we always, you know, we've been talking about what we do for our pets as far as feeding and providing them with love in, a, you know, a safe environment. Um, now I want to talk about how they can, you know, give us um, some love and uh, actually we can benefit from um, from their training and from how brilliant they are. So, so we're going to talk about um, working dogs today. There are several different kinds of service dogs. Um, the, the, these will be, include guide dogs, hearing dogs, mobility dogs, seizure alert response dogs, psychiatric service dogs, autism dogs. There's uh, cancer detecting dogs. There's mold detecting dogs. Um, there's a group out there called Conservation Canines. Awesome. Very, very interesting what they do with their dogs. So there's a lot of different types of dogs um, that work for us and help us, especially people with disabilities. Um, and then there's other uh, types of dogs with jobs that help people. And these will be therapy dogs. And I, I'm sure that a, a lot of you listeners have heard or do have therapy dogs yourselves. Um, the therapy dogs are trained um, to go into facilities um, like hospitals or physical therapy centers. And um, they're there for emotional support and, uh, you know, for, for uh, children and adults that are um, recovering from injuries or surgeries, etc. So um, those dogs are very, very important in our community as well. 
Um, and then just emotional support animals. So a lot of people may have some um, handicaps, uh, mental disabilities, or emotional um, problems, and they do have these dogs for support. So it's it's a wonderful thing. And it's, it's interesting because dogs have shared their lives with humans for at least, you know, 14,000 years or maybe even longer. Um, and during those millennia, these dogs have been man's helper and woman's helper, protector and companion. Um, according to the Humane Society of the United States, 39% of the U.S. households include one or more dogs and 34% include one or more cats. So that's almost equal numbers, and that's, um, that's really important. They've become part of the family. Uh, they're, they're not just a, typically a pet anymore. They're actually a family member, and especially for um, empty nesters, as we call them. The kids have gone off to school, so they like to you know, have the companionship of their dogs, of their pets, or their cats, or exotic animals as well. Um, or if, if they're young couples and they don't have any children, and may, maybe they don't plan on having any children, um, they're, they're fun companion animals to have around with us, that's for sure. But there's a lot of good health reasons, too, why these pets can, you know, how they can, we can benefit with them just with our health, our own health. So some studies have shown real health benefits for those living with pets include um, lower the cholesterol, lower blood pressure, lower uh, triglycerides, uh, reduces stress levels, uh, reduces feelings of loneliness, better mental health. They cheer you up. They're, you know, they're fun. They're funny. Uh, increased activity. So they'll get you, you know, out of the house. You have to walk them, especially if you live in apartments or you don't have a yard. Um, so you get exercise as well. And it's really fun to work out and exercise with your pets. Uh, more opportunities for exercise, as I mentioned. More time spent outdoors. So it's just, it's a good, it's a social environment too. There's a lot of dog parks, so you meet a lot of people. Some people form groups. They meet, you know, every morning or once a week, and everybody gets together, and the dogs play, and the people, um, you know, they catch up on their uh, gossip <laughs> and conversations and such. So it's it's pretty, uh, it, it's pretty fun to have pets um, because they do a lot for us, and we do a lot for them. So with service animals, I want to um, just, just kind of give you some explanation of uh, what they are, what they do, et cetera, um, and kind of the description. There's, you know, some le legalities behind different service animals as far as where they're allowed, allowed to go, um, you know, on aircrafts and, and things like that. So to have a service animal, a person must be um, so impaired as to have a disability, so, for example, needing glasses for poor vision is an impairment, but being unable to see with or without glasses is a disability. Having a mental illness is an impairment, but being unable to function on a minimal level because of a mental illness is a disability. So there's a difference between impairment and disability. And these service pets, um, they're declared service pets because they're trained appropriately, and they can be allowed in certain, you know, businesses and public areas. So folks may have a, an emotional support animal due to a mental impairment if they are also otherwise disabled or elderly, or they may have an emotional support animal because of a mental illness disability. 
only those actually disabled by a psychiatric impairment would qualify to you to use as a psychiatric service dog. So there there has to be some definitions here and typically there would be prescriptions also from MDs um, you know, psychologists and, and things like that, too, um, so that we can make it kind of official that this person has this official working dog that will have the rights to certain areas and, like I said, businesses, etc. Service animals, so service animals are task trained to actually do something which mitigates the person's disability. Their defined function is not to provide emotional support, okay, but to do something that the handler, handler meaning the, it would be the service dog owner, that they cannot do for themselves, which allows that handler to overcome or ameliorate an inability to perform major life activities. Emotional support animals, so there's a difference between service animals and emotional support animals, Emotional support animals don't have to be trained so long as they do not disturb neighbors or pose a threat, you know, to public safety, et cetera. So um, a person with a disability has a right to be accompanied by a trained service dog, which is assisting them in most public accommodations, so places of business. A person with an impairment or a disability does not have a right to be accompanied by an emotional support animal unless individual state laws specify, uh, specifically grant this right, in which case it applies only in that state. So it's really interesting that definitions can change per state and, you know, what these definitions of what these service dogs are and how they support the handler. Um, so PSD is the psychiatric service dogs. Their tasks are actually very similar to the task for persons with other disabilities. Uh, guiding to a place and blocking from danger are common guide dog tasks. Signaling for an alarm um, is a common hearing dog task. Balancing bracing and turning on lights are common mobility dog tasks. That, and this is because they are real service dog tasks for persons whose disability happens to be due to mental illness. The courts, uh, so the court system actually uh, determine who has a disability and who doesn't. So the courts say that tasks must be trained and not a natural behavior of the dog. So they make these specific definitions of what the service dog will be. Number two, they must mitigate the person's disability, as I mentioned previously, and they must be needed by that specific handler. So we have court systems involved, we have different states and their definitions involved. So it can get a little bit complicated complicated, especially if you're going to move, you know, to different areas. Um, you need to find out if you do have a service dog, what are the restrictions and uh, what are the laws pertaining to um, your dogs in those particular, you know, in other particular states. Therapy dogs are working dogs. So here's where there's going to be a difference here between service dogs and therapy dogs. Therapy dogs are working dogs, so they're dogs with jobs, but they are not a type of service dog. So again, these therapy dogs are dogs that are allowed in institutions, um, for example, physical therapy centers, um, hospitals, 
Uh, even libraries, okay, they have sit, stay, and read. So they'll have um, some groups with children, and um, these handlers will have the dog there for fun, um, kind of show and tell why they read to the children. So that's, that's a fun thing to do. So these emotional service animals, again, they're not task-trained like service dogs are. So there's a difference there. In fact, little training at all is required so long as the animal is reasonably well-behaved, you know, by normal pet standards. So meaning they're, you know, they're okay in public, um, they're not noisemakers, they're not barkers, um, they don't get distracted, and, you know, they, they, they have good manners, so to speak. So this means the animal is fully toilet trained, has no bad habits that would disturb the neighbors, um, you know, again, especially with uh, a lot of barking. The animal should not pose a danger to others. And, um, but there, for them, there is no requirement for fancy healing or mitigating tasks since emotional support animals are not generally taken anywhere. Pets would not ordinarily go without permission. So, except emotional, emotionally supporting animals, I believe they can be um, accepted on the um, uh, cabin of the aircraft. So, again, you always want to, if you're going to travel with your pet that is an emotional support animal, you definitely want to check with the airlines to make sure that you know what their definitions are, too, so that you can travel in the cabin. Uh, they can travel in, in the cabin with you. It is important to note that having a diagnosis of mental illness by itself is not sufficient to qualify a person for an emotionally support animal unless that illness is so severe that it disables them. Only a judge can truly determine whether a person is legally disabled. So that's very interesting. However, a doctor can probably make a medical determination of a person's disability and on that basis prescribe an emotionally um, support animal. To qualify as disabled under federal disability, so there's the American Disability Act. Um, so to qualify as disabled under the federal disability rights laws, a person must experience substantial limitations on one or more major life activities because of their mental illness or their physical illness. So it's kind of interesting. Um, Again, it's, uh, it's good to know these things, and if you, know, if you do have a service pet, to know where you can take them, or um, also just have respect for other service pets um, as far as when you do see them in the airports or in public places. If, if they're a working dog, you definitely don't want to you ask if you can approach the dog. Um, you don't want your children or, you know, yourself to just go ahead and, and they're doing their job, so um, they need to focus and, and pay attention to their surroundings. So that's, that's good to have for us to have good manners as well as them to have good manners when we're going to, you know, see or greet any of these service dogs. So what kind of tasks? This is very interesting, um, doing some research um, on these different dogs and, and, again, what they do for disabled um, people. Uh, what, you know, you may ask, well, what does a psychiatric service dog, what do they do? How, you know, what, how do they help us? 
Psychiatric service dogs, they are like any other service animal. They're individually trained in obedience, performing tasks, working in distracting public uh, environments to mitigate the partner's psychiatric disability. When I say partner, that's the hander, uh, the handler, the owner, so to speak. Their function is not to provide emotional support, but to perform the tasks which enable their partner to function in ordinary ways um, the non-disabled take for granted. Guide a disoriented handler. So this is kind of interesting. This, here's an example. So the task is guide a disoriented handler, and the example is a person wanders away from familiar surroundings during a dissociative episode. When she becomes aware again, she realizes she is lost and still disoriented from the episode. She cannot think clearly about how to retrace her steps. So her dog is trained to backtrack following their own scent trail back to where they were when the episode first started. Alternatively, the dog might be trained to guide the handler to specific trained locations by command, such as the handler will say home and the dog will know exactly how to get back to the home. So that's very, very interesting. Um, Some other examples of what the psychiatric service dogs do. Um, They'll signal for sounds. You know, that makes sense. Um, If a person is heavily sedated, you know, they have a flashback or a psychotic episode fails to respond to a smoke alarm, um, the dog is trained to persistently and very firmly signal them until, you know, wake them up um, and be able to alert them that the alarm is going off. Uh, Alternatively, the dog may be trained to take hold of the handler's arm or sleeve in his mouth and lead him outside. So that's pretty interesting. Um, they help with balance. So people who are, you know, they may have tran- be using tranquilizers and be a little dizzy or unbalanced, or they may have an anxiety attack. They will actually guide them, um, support their, you know, sometimes their weight, um, and guide them to go to a safe place so that they can, you know, grab a hold of furniture or something to regain their balance. Um, Another real uh, awesome example for what they do for people is, um, let's say a person is having an anxiety and they may experience gastric dis- distress when, you know, because they're stressed. Um, the resulting nausea causes them to become maybe dizzy, disorientated. And if they fall to the ground and cannot rise, the dog is trained to retrieve their medication and bring it to them. So it's just amazing. Just the training must be really, really long and intense. And we're going to talk to some people uh, today about um, you know different kinds of uh, different kinds of service dogs and uh, and what they do and the intense training that goes behind it. So we'll catch you back after this break. Thank you. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Sometimes it just seems that nobody understands. There's one individual who can help. If you're living with somebody who faces challenges such as autism, Asperger's, or other exceptional needs, you'll want to tune into Solutions and Strategies with Dr. Sean. Living the Challenge. 
Together, we'll uncover a variety of solutions to the challenges faced by individuals, their families, and teachers. Listen live every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. are tuned in to Pet Panorama with Dr. Julie Mayer. We want to hear from you with your questions, stories, and comments. Please call into the program today at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Send your emails all week to Dr. Julie at PetPanorama at gmail.com. That's PetPanorama at gmail.com. Now, back to Pet Panorama. Okay, welcome back, listeners. Um, I'm Dr. Julie Mayer, and we have a special guest today. Um, this is uh, Vicki is on the line, and she has a foundation, Ron and Vicki Santo Foundation. And I want her, she's a wonderful woman, and she's a Chicago fan and a Chicagoan. And um, she's very involved in baseball, and you'll find out why. But uh, I want her to go in and uh, tell her all about, tell you, the listeners, all about her, her lovely life. Hi, Vicki. How are you, Julie? Nice to be talking to you. Likewise. Welcome to the show. Thank you, and thank you for having me. Uh, this is great. So uh, tell us what you do, Vicki. Well... Uh, I have started a foundation called the Ron and Vicki Santo Diabetic Alert Dog Foundation. We raise funds to purchase and train dogs that are then paired with diabetics so that they can alert the diabetics to their changing blood sugars. So how, does, how do they do that? How can you train a dog to alert you know, high or low blood sugar levels? Well, what you need to realize is that when a diabetic sugars are changing, they usually have very terrible sweating, where if they're wearing a T-shirt, it is stopped with sweat by the time their sugars get back to normal. Interesting. And what we do to train these dogs is we have the, we take the, have the applicant send us a T-shirt that has been soaked in the sweat or give us a sample of saliva or blood when their sugars, when they're having a, a seizure, they're low. Hmm. And that is sent, it's frozen, and it's sent to our trainer in Colorado. She then takes the T-shirt and she tears it in tiny, tiny strips. Our puppies are started at about eight weeks old for their training. Um, we take... They don't, they have playtime because they're puppies. They all go out and they play together. Okay. But we start their scent work right away. They don't get to play with normal toys that other, you know, puppies and dogs will play with. Mm -hmm. What our trainer Julie does is to take a strip of this um, T-shirt that's soaked in the scent and she tucks it into a soft toy. Mm -hmm. And when she's playing with them one-on-one, they have that, they smell that scent with the toy. 
And as she progresses and they get a little older, it's not just playing with the toy. She hides it. And she'll hide it under her shirt so that, you know, it doesn't do any good to hide it into a, a couch. Right. Because these dogs, as they grow up, are not going to alert to a couch. They're going to alert to a person. Ah. So this toy is hidden on a person, and they learn to search for it. When they search for it, when they, you know, will want to play with it, they get rewarded by playing with it. Hmm. So the whole thing is, you know, reward, reward, reward. Okay. And eventually, you know, the, the scent piece will get smaller. It'll get hidden in different places. And once these, you know, once they get it, that this is what, this is fun. This is their paycheck. That's a great word for this hmm. because their paycheck for coming up with this scent is they get to play. That's clever. That's extremely clever. So, and they, go ahead. It, how long does the training last? And that, you know, so when are they ready then to be placed um, with their handler? Or I should say it with takes, their new owner? It takes probably a year. To 15 months of training. Okay. And this training is 24-7. They live in the house with Julie. They, they're in crates, at, you know, and they, they get to go out and play together. And then she brings them in and, and works with them on their scent work. And basically when they are like six, seven, eight months old, they have to start with their manners. And then closer to nine, ten months, it's obedience training where it's, when we put you on a sit, you stay there. There's no moving. Hmm. And so, and, and along with all of this, their whole lives, they're on the move. So Julie goes in, the tr- in her car. She takes them with her. She'll go into the grocery store. She goes in. She takes them to the movies. She said her kids take them to school with them. Hmm. So they're used to being in all sorts of different situations so that when we deliver them, they've been in every situation that we expect them to perform in. Oh, that's fantastic. And they, there's testing, right, for the diabetics? It's what, A1C? The A1C is a, law, is a test for a three-month average of what the sugars have been running. Now, there's the glucometer and there's the insulin pump and people that don't know much about diabetes... The, glute- the glucometer is a small, um, oh, what do you call it? It's a, it's a test thing that they, you uh, prick your finger, a drop of blood comes out, you put it on the, on the um, stick, and it will, and the glucometer will read out what your sugar is at that time. The A1C is a test that gives you the long term what mm-hmm. your sugars have been over a period of three months. And so... Usually when a diabetic will go in and they have their, you know, their testing, a normal A1C is around 5.5 or close to that. Mm -hmm. Some of these kids, especially as they're going through uh, puberty, their hormones are, you know, going raging and their sugars get out of control. So some of these kids have been, when they apply to us, I always ask, what's your latest A1C? It can be as high as 12 which is really high. The problem with that is that when your sugars are not in a close, normal range, you are very, very, um, uh, you're leaving yourself at risk 
for the complications of diabetes, which my husband, Ron, who was pre- played for the Chicago Cubs, he's a Hall of Fame third baseman, um, and then he was the broadcaster for 19 years. He right. suffered um, heart, he had vascular disease, and eventually he lost both legs, had two prosthetics. He'd had uh, kidney issues. He'd have proliferative retinopathy, which is a, uh, an eye disorder, mm-hmm. and if it's not treated, can lead to blindness. So the complications of this disease are devastating. And that's when, when Ron was alive. I mean, he, he dealt with all of this. He continued working. You never knew there was anything wrong with him. But he always said to me, I feel so sorry for the kids, for the parents of the kids. Because these children go to sleep. They, they know they don't feel good, mm-hmm. but they don't know why. Mm-hmm. Especially the little kids. Like they're, you know, if they've had it since birth. We've given um, paired dogs with a little boy that's four. And he doesn't know. He just knows he doesn't feel good. Oh, wow. His parents were testing him up to 30 times a day, having to go and stick his finger and check his blood. Holy cow. Wow. And most parents of young children, they never sleep. They're up every two hours checking sugars all night long. So what the dogs do for these kids is amazing. This little boy that I just told you about, they were testing 30 times a day now maybe down 10 times a day, which sounds like a lot to us, but, you know, they, I guess that, you know, they get so used to being tested that it's not a big deal. Okay. But they learn to listen to their dogs, and dogs don't lie. And that's the thing that's so cool about this. I had a, one of our, our moms called um, about a week ago, and she said, Jive was alerting to Mariana, who's six years old. And she said, I tested her with a glucometer. It said 120. That's normal. That's a normal range. The dog would not stop barking, would Mm. not stop. And they got another glucometer, tested her with that one, and she was at 40. Wow. So it's just, I mean, their scent is incredible. And they just, you know, and that's the thing about them. You can't, if if they start alerting, you better deal with it. Right. There's no denying there's no denying it. I had one boy who was in, in high school, and he had just moved to a new high school, and he had his dog with him, and he was trying to be cool and sitting with some kids and, you know, just talking, and the dog started alerting, and he was going to ignore her. And he said, he called me, he said, she jumped up on me, she knocked me off, wow. over, off the bench, on the ground, and stood there barking over me. And she goes, he goes, there was no denying it. I had to take care of my sugar problem. That's great. And so these families, they're going to feel more secure. They're going to have more freedom. Um, You know, they can go to sleepovers with their dog, and then the parents don't have to worry about it. That is so awesome. And, you know, a lot of these kids, I mean, we, we, most of our dogs are going to children. Um, We have a couple that are going to older, uh, you know, adults. But the, the kids, especially boys, for some reason, they get this terrible anxiety. That where they don't, they won't leave their parents, or they're afraid. You know, they're afraid to go in the public bathroom. I, the mm. first boy that got the dog Cubby, he would not sleep alone in his alone in his room. And his grandfather had died from a, in from being in a diabetic coma. 
Oh, and wow. he thought one year later he was diagnosed. He goes, am I going to die? Oh, wow. Am I going to die if I go to sleep? So once he got, his parents, one of them had to sleep in the room with him. As soon as he got his dog, it's incredible. The, the day the dog was delivered, they, he, they told him to go get ready for bed, and the dog was in his crate, and they looked for Braden. He had gone and crawled in the crate with the dog. Huh. And was just gonna, he was just going to sleep in there. Oh, that's it great. Was just, but it just, you know, it just brings, it brings tears to your eyes how much these dogs mean to these kids. Yes, definitely. And on your Facebook, so it's um, the Ron and Vicky Santo Foundation, right? On your Facebook, if if you uh, yes. search yes. that, that video is fantastic. I encourage the listeners to take a look at that. It'll definitely bring a tear to your eye. Um, so, that, this little boy, I mean, he's so he's so honest and open, and and it really gives you a feel from the parent side of what it's like to be with the dad. There is no time out. There is no time off. And I always said that, you know, even with my husband, because the symptoms change, and they right. don't recognize their symptoms. And you think, you know, they walk out the door, and there's in the back of your mind, mm-hmm, I hope he gets home all right. And it's, it's a devastating disease, devastating and so we were talking about the working dogs and, you know, just legal aspects and where they're allowed to go and, you know, things like that. So, so obviously, that dog goes everywhere with them. Everywhere. They go in restaurants. They go on planes. And what we do, we, when we get the applications from the, uh, from the family, we want to know, what do you do? Okay. What do these kids do? Do they play sports? Do they do, you know, what are their, whatever they do? is what we're going to do. So that's how we train. If, they're, if they are softball players or they're football players, Julie makes sure that she takes them to football games, softball games, they're, you know, skateboarding. Whatever the kids do, the dogs go and they're, they're part of it. Because so, they have to be able to be with them everywhere they go. And they go to school with them. They, they're usually in crates in the classroom. If it's a, a primary school where they stay in one classroom, mm-hmm. And then if they are uh, where they go class to class, they're just on a leash, and they go with the kid from class to class to class. So then do you pick out the child who's going to receive a particular dog, and then do you kind of custom train them, too, you know, to their yes. daily oh, activities sure. and, and what, what they do? And we, and we pick the personality. We, you know, we get the puppies, and we start the Now, this is where Julie is so good at all this. But she, she'll call me, and she'll say this. You know, this is a really strong dog, real good drive. So we're going to pair him probably with a, a, a high school basketball player or um, a, a, a boy that's active. Okay. We have some that are a little more gentle or a little, um, you know, it's not that they don't, they all do their scent work, but their personalities are a little more laid back. And so we'll put that dog with somebody, like we have one uh, family that has two children that need the dog one is very young though only just a, like a year old oh. so the, the dog that they're going to get is going to be much more laid back mm-hmm. and um you know so we try to pair personalities and that's why people always say well who's my dog what's his name what's he gonna make and we go we can't tell you that we have an idea but we're not going to promise you that because as the training develops and the dog develops his personality you know we need to make sure that this is all going to be, you know, it's all going to go together. It's going to work. Interesting. So 
This sounds like, like you said, a lot of training, work, um, thought process, breeding, you know, where you get your dogs, etc. And so how much does a dog cost from beginning to end? The dogs are $18,000 from beginning to end. And we ask the, the people that are going to receive their dog, they are responsible for a, a minute portion of the $18,000. And my feeling with this is that when sometimes, and I've learned kind of a lesson about it, where you, know, you give somebody something and then, oh, well, well, this isn't what I thought, so I'm not going to take care of it. That can't be. We cannot take that risk. So if they have some skin in the game, as they say, um, they're, it means more to them. They're going to take care of the dogs, you know, and, and they have to carry pet insurance on the dogs because, as you know, the expenses can be very high if anything goes wrong. And we, can't, and we, and we try to help people that not only are in medical need but financial need. So if their finances are tight, we can't say the dog has an issue and, oh, it's going to be a $2,500 surgery, and they say, oh, we can't afford that. So we, insi- we insist that they carry pet insurance, and um, it's just it's safety for all. Sure. We, want the, we want these dogs to be paired with their diabetics, and they should be with them for 10, 12 years easily, as long as they're well cared for. Well, it's amazing, amazing what you've done, what you've created, and how many lives you are changing it's just, it's so cool. It's its fantastic. So um, can you announce your, we're going to wrap up and have a break here in about 30 seconds. Can you just ra- um, mention your foundation again and who you are for our listeners? I am Vicki Santo from the Ron and Vicki Santo Diabetic Alert Dog Foundation. You can w- visit our website at ronsantofoundation.com to find out how to donate or how to apply a diabetic alert dog. And I really, really, really appreciate you taking your time and um, and actually opening my eyes to what you do too. So this is this is a wonderful experience all around. So um, thank you thank so you much, so Vicky, much. and I hope to uh, to connect with you in the future as well. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Julie. Okay. Thank you. Have a good, great evening. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Bye bye. So, listeners, that was wonderful. Um, Vicki, uh, uh, our, our connection is she's from Chicago, and her husband played for um, the Chicago Cubs. And I was telling her that I live two blocks from Wrigleyville, and I can actually see the scoreboard um, from, my, uh, from my back porch. So, um, wonderful human being. Uh, she did this. Um, she designed this foundation because her, her husband, as you may have heard, um, passed with complications of diabetes. So, um, you know, it's, it's nice to have these great people um, in our world and surrounding us and sharing the love and um, being really uh, great and fun for, uh, you know, for other people's lives, making it easier for these um, dog people and um, sick people and disabled people. To be able to enjoy, um, you know, some therapy dogs, but also just some companionship. So that's that's excellent. 
So we're going to take a break, and we have the other half of our um, guest list today. And uh, so we're going to meet some new people when we come back. So stay tuned. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Are your eating habits out of control? Does food have power over you? Have you been diagnosed with an eating disorder or feel that you might have one? Before you follow advice or suggestions from uninformed sources, listen to Chasing Hunger every Tuesday with host Kathy Welter Nichols, who will dispel the myths, reveal the secrets, share good practice, and open the gateway through awareness and deeper understanding. Every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health and Wellness. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned in to Pet Panorama with Dr. Julie Mayer. We want to hear from you with your questions, stories, and comments. Please call into the program today at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Send your emails all week to Dr. Julie at PetPanorama at gmail.com. That's PetPanorama at gmail.com. Now, back to Pet Panorama. Okay, welcome back, all you pet lovers. Um, that was fun, 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 fun. Love Vicky and what she does for us. So, um, my other guest, I have a live person in the studio. Yay! <laughs> How I get to look at somebody now when I'm talking, and my hands can move, and I'm not just talking to myself. So, um, Kathy Davila is here with us, and she publishes the Phoenix Dog magazine. Um, and it circulates, it's a, it's a free magazine, and it circulates throughout um, the Phoenix land area. And the magazine is great. There's, it's very informative, um, things that are going on in the community. Um, it, you know, it's great for pet lovers, and you can, um, there's a lot of relationships that are made through this magazine because, and uh, yours truly writes for uh, writes for this magazine as well. So I have the you know doctor side of that going on with the magazine. Um, but it's a fabulous magazine, and Kathy's here to talk about it. And then we also have uh, somebody on the line that we're going to talk about what they do with um, uh, what their service uh, animals are and what how they're involved in that part of the world. So Kathy, mm-hmm. tell us about uh, what what's happening. Well, thanks, Dr. Julie, and thanks for having us on and love your show. It's a wonderful Thank show. Thank you. Yeah. Well, uh, I publish the Phoenix Dog Magazine. It's local, it's free, as Dr. Julie said. And we try to connect the pet community and bring out stories of how dogs and pets help us, but also how, and we help, how we help them. And there's so many ways they help us. And one of the ways is by being a service animal, such as we heard with the diabetic dogs. Uh, there's also service animals that can help uh, a, myriad of, a myriad of different issues that people can have. So we do have with us one of our 
our, our guest, Debbie Claisman, who is the founder and director of the American Service Animal Society. They are a 5013C that trains veterans to train their own dogs. Basically, these veterans are, can transform their own dogs into living, breathing medical devices. It's a free lifetime program, and veterans come from all over the country to go through this training. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, so Debbie's on the line with us. Are you there, Debbie? Thank you for having me. Hi, Kathy, and hi, Dr. Julie. Hi, it's welcome. Hi there. with you all tonight. Thank, Thank you for you. joining. Thank you for being on. Thank you. So, and it was wonderful to hear about the diabetic dogs, too, oh, because we great. do work with a lot of diabetes with our veterans. So that was fabulous to know that there's other people out there training and working with service dogs doing such a magnificent thing. I'm glad you were able to listen. Yeah, Vicki's a wonderful yes. person. So um, tell us a little bit, a bit about, you know, what, what you do, um, what, what's the definition of a service dog in general, in different kind of categories and things. So tell us, uh, tell right. us a little bit about yourself. Well, my husband and I founded American Service Animal Society uh, nearly 12 years ago, and a lot of people know of us as Dogs for Vets. So what we do is we help veterans, as Kathy said, train their own dogs to be service dogs. So these dogs actually are living, breathing medical devices. And we find that it's easier for these dogs to be more bonded with the individual by having them have their own pet become their service dog instead of actually having a dog trained and then presenting it to the veteran. This way, um, the transformation happens a lot quicker and most veterans suffer with PTSD, so therefore it is a, a dog that they already have a connection to, and therefore the dog is already sensing what's going on with the individual. So this is really a beautiful, magnificent thing that happens um, by doing it this way. So by definition, a service dog is a dog that is trained to do a physical task for people with disabilities. And actually, service dogs are working dogs. They are no longer pets. Great. And what what breeds, you know, are there different kind of breeds um, that you use? Or, you know, are there any particular ones that fit this job better than others? Um, No, actually, I think that society just, you, you need to take away from what society deems a service dog to be, not so much shepherds and labs and golden retrievers. Pretty much any dog can be trained to be a service dog. So in our program, we have chihuahuas, we have poodles, oh, we have great. mastiffs, we have pretty much every type of dog and mixture thereof in the program. So to be a service dog, of course, they must have the, might, the right temperament and disposition, but they really need to be social to all um, people and dogs because they're going to be out there in the public. So you can't have um, that growly, protective disposition because they are going to be out there around society. Well, that's neat. That'd so, be kind of fun. Yeah, and they must, be, they must be spay or neutered because their attention must be on the individual. So they must have that, that right temperament. Now, they don't need to be interacting with everybody, of course. They must be focused on the, the individual, but they can't be aggressive. And so who, how, do you, how does somebody get declared that, you know, that they need, they get a quote-unquote prescription for these dogs? How, how, tell me about that process. How does that happen? 
Um, Do they have to get a, a note well, from a medical doctor or? Um, okay. Um, pretty much, you, yes, I would, pretty much so. We work with veterans, so their doctor is going to say you, it would be in your best interest to have a service dog. You pretty much have a disability in need. So um, they're going to say, you know, whether you have diabetes or you have Parkinson's or you have some sort of disability, most of our veterans are going to have some form of PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. So therefore, they have anxiety. They're suffering from hypervigilance or night terrors or they have traumatic brain injuries or they have, um, they're missing limbs or things like that. So they're going to definitely benefit from the use of a service dog. And how, and, uh, how do they get in touch with you then? So, you know, how do you get connected? Let's say there is a veteran and they have been, you know, they have a disability and they do get a quote unquote prescription for um, a, a, a service dog. How would somebody make the connection with your team? With our team, pretty much through the, the VA hospital. Oh, okay. And that's, at any given time, we're working with over 100 veterans. So it's very easy for them. Their doctor is going to refer them to us. Great. Or they've heard from another veteran the success of our program, and they're going to reach out to us. And it's a free lifetime program for them. So there's no charge for them to go through our program. But most other people that are utilizing the aid of a service dog, um, you know, they, their doctor has written them a note, and they typically will seek it out online, and, and, and that's where, where society is getting into a lot of trouble because they're being misguided. Uh, and um, in other words, um, you really need to have a legitimate disability, and your doctor is going to write you a note saying that you're going to benefit from the assistance of a service dog. And service dogs can help with diabetes and seizures and Parkinson's and, and PTSD and so forth, but sometimes people will seek assistance online for certification, but there's really no such thing as certification. So it is best to find someone that can help you train your dog to do physical tasks pertinent for your disability. This way your dog is actually providing you with a life-saving skill as well as being trained to, do, to be foundationally stable in public settings. And I think that that's where people are being led down the wrong path because they're not really getting the proper training. Debbie, are there other types of service type dogs and support dogs? As um, far as other categories yeah. of support they provide? Yes, there are. There actually are. And, I, and I'm glad that you did ask that. Um, most commonly, there are, there are confused with service dogs. There are therapy dogs and emotional support animals. And therapy dogs are therapeutic dogs that are trained to bring comfort and cheer to those that are in hospitals, nursing homes, assisted living facilities, and hospice, as well as school settings and clinical therapy settings. And then there's the emotional support animals that are support dogs that are used to provide support for individuals that are suffering from anxiety in certain settings. These dogs can lower anxiety and accomplish um, things like lowering blood, blood pressure. But, you know, 
Like if you're if you have anxiety about going to the doctor's office or flying in an airplane and things like that, um, that's what an emotional support dog does do. But it's not a service dog. It doesn't have public access. So that means that that dog goes to you, goes with you when you go to the doctor's office. But it doesn't mean that you go to the doctor's office and then you go shopping and you go have lunch. Emotional support animals are not service dogs and neither are therapy dogs. Right. Yeah. So, And some people I know will buy cards online, even with or without a note from their doctor, so their dogs can be service dog. A service dog. Right. And how how does that work? I mean, how? Um, I mean, how? <laughs> ah, you know, if 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 they're not a service yeah. dog, but they're they had licensed or they're certified, they have a card that says they're a service well, dog. Well, I think what happens too is, um, yeah. you know, people are not supposed to ask them what their disability is and things like that. Right. So, so yeah. I think that's where a lot of people get away with. Um, you know, they're imposters. Basically, they're getting away with um, with ex- the same thing as a service dog would, would be able, you know, they can go places, et cetera, if they have these vests on or the card yeah. because yeah. nobody is supposed to ask them, you know, what is this dog here for, right? So I think, right. you know, yeah. and there's always going to be people who abuse the system. It's very sad because... It is sad. You know, we these are handicapped people, and we need these dogs. Mm-hmm. So we have about um, we have about three minutes. Um, t- you know, just tell us a little bit more about yourself. Um, how long does it take to train the dog? You know, just a, a lot of things about what these dogs um, do, how much they they cost. Um, if do you take donations? You know what I mean. Just just anything. In, in relationship to the to the training and to the pets themselves? These dogs that we work with are absolutely magnificent. As I said, that we transform a pet into a living, breathing medical device. These dogs can be trained to detect seizures, diabetes. diabetes. They, uh, the veterans that come into our program... They're typically on 20, 30 meds a day. When they come through our program, they're down to zero to four meds a day. Their night terrors or their anxieties that usually last hours to days are over within 30 to 45 seconds. Our dogs can be trained to grab a phone and call 911 or hit the Medi Alert button. They can open and close doors. The men and women that typically shop at night or don't even go out are now going out. Um, our dogs, um, their minimal value is thirty-five to forty thousand dollars or more by the time they finish with our program. These dogs are taught physical tasks. They're legitimate service dogs, and it 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 is a very wonderful program. It is a free program for the veterans and people that need service dogs. I think that it's that you really rely on your doctor when they say that you need a service dog. I think that you need to seek out somebody that can help train you to really get the beneficial help that you need instead of relying online to, for a certification because there really is no such thing. You're doing an injustice to yourself. 
and um, it's like taking a handicap placard and putting it in your car window and right. then running off and going to play tennis. Right, exactly. Really, you know, it's an injustice to yourself and to others. So um, get the help that you need. If you don't put a vest on a dog that, and claim it to be a service dog, when it's not one, because you're not doing yourself any favors or anybody that's disabled out there. Get the training for your dog that's, for the benefit of yourself. Yes, that's very um, important to um, share with the listeners. And, you know, everybody should right. be honest and not take advantage of the system. Right. And right. Um, these people, yeah. you know, they've right. they've served our country and they deserve the yeah. best. Yeah, they, they do. And, and, and you know what, and establishments have rights too. You know, dogs that are... Um, unruly in, in restaurants and things like that, and in stores, they have their rights. They right. have the rights to ask this customer to leave. So right. um, businesses have rights, and I think that they're just afraid to sure. speak up. They, they don't um, want to cross the legal line, so to they, speak, they too, don't. right? They don't. So, so, yeah, um, so tell, I, tell us, Debbie, we're going to wrap it up. Um, yep. You're the founder of? Yes, of American Service Animal Society. Um, okay. Nearly 12 years now, and okay. we are so proud to be helping these brave men and women that have served our country. Great. And we welcome all veterans to come into our program. Bring your dog. Great. Um, give us a call. We will okay. be glad to meet with you, and thank you so much okay. for having me on your program. Well, I really and appreciate you joining us, and uh, Kathy Devilla as well here. And oh, she um, is wonderful. I truly enjoy her. Great. She's become, Thank a you. Good, so, she's become a good friend. And that is a wonderful magazine that she has. Yes, it's very Absolutely nice. Phoenix Dog all you Magazine. If you haven't checked it out, check it out. Great. And um, God bless America. Okay. Thank you so much well, for thank, you, me. thank you. And thank you, listeners, for joining us. And we'll see you next week on Pet Panorama. Bye now. Thank you for being a part of Pet Panorama this week. Be sure to join Dr. Julie Mayer for another edition next Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Now, enjoy the weekend with your best friend.